0: I'm doing well, doing well. So you've probably seen this video. A lot of people who will watch this will, will see the video of Coach now, Dion Sanders. Uh, he's Jacksonville State. Is that where he's at? I think, I think so. so. Uh, but he gave this motivational video about practicing and and the problem with our practice. And so maybe we'll take a second and just listen to what he said, and then I'd love to break it down with you get your thoughts on it. Absolutely. This what's wrong with most
1: of our athletes today we don't practice to be great we don't practice to be dominant we practice to practice what do you mean by that prime i'm glad you asked we practice counting the number of periods we practice understanding how much time we got left we practice just to get through practice we couldn't deals in practice you go soft i go soft we don't practice to be done When I ask you what was your purpose of practice, you ain't got no answer for me. I'm gonna ask you, what is your purpose of practice? I don't care if you practice at work. I don't care if you practice with your relationship. I don't care if you practice in any endeavor you choose to
0: do. What is your purpose for practice?
1: I practiced to be the best ever. So every time I walked on that field, I had a purpose for my practice. All right. So that's some good stuff from prime time. <laughs> Most it's amazing how uh, you know, I, I'm around football players a lot. And I have asked them from time to time about players back in the 90s who were really, really good. And it ages me really fast when you realize that we have football players who don't know who Deion Sanders was (laughs) Barry Sanders. And some of these, some of these Mike Singletary, yeah, they don't, they don't, they have no idea who we're talking about. Then I realized, I guess that was 30 years ago. So that makes sense. But yeah, Yeah. Deion Sanders, for those of you that don't know, if you're listening to this and you don't know who that was, that was just speaking Deion Sanders is he's the very best corner to ever play football, in my opinion, not even close. Well, and then he would moonlight
0: as a member of the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, one of the best
1: athletes, <laughs> yeah. maybe
0: ever. Yeah. Bo Jackson, a... right? So someone who truly was great. Yeah. And, and I love that phrase. He he just said, the problem with practice is we don't practice to be great. We practice to get through practice. You know, so we've learned some things as we've interviewed these elite athletes that have been on our podcast. And one of the things that I've learned personally is that it seemed to click at a younger age for them than some really the cost of greatness, what it took to be great. And you're a high school football coach and have trained quarterbacks now for for 15 years. And as your profession, I'm just wondering when you hear him say that the problem is we don't practice to be great. We just practice
1: to get through practice. What are some of the thoughts that come to your mind? Well, I think that it's, it's very easy, whether this is in sports, whether this is just in our own physical fitness, our own health, whether it's in business, it's really easy to say, well, I need to go to the gym four days a week. So you go to the gym four days a week, but nothing changes because you're just going to the gym to go to the gym, right? There's not a specific focus and purpose for going to the gym. It's not with intent. If you just go to the office, go to the office, you get your paycheck every two weeks, you get your salary, but eventually the business fails because there's no growth because you would just go into the office and doing, going through the motions. It's really easy in sports for coaches and for kids and for parents to be content with the fact that, well, I go to practice, like I'm there, I do everything I'm supposed to do. I have never been late for a practice. I go to every single practice. I sacrifice vacations, I sacrifice, you know, other things I could do to go to practice. So therefore I should be really good or therefore I should play or, but that's not the, that's not the point. The point of practice is to be getting better and you can go through the motions. We call it participating versus competing Mm -hmm. in our book. We call it winning the hour, that hour of practice can be participated in. That's showing up. That's or easy. Attended. Or attended. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or it can be one. And winning is hard. And I try to remind kids all the time when I talk to them that really winning is tough. It's hard. You should enjoy every second you have to be a winner because you're going to have plenty of chances in life to win and you're going to lose. You're probably going to lose more than you win. So when you win, enjoy it. When you win a practice and you know you won the practice, you know you got a little bit better. But the problem is that most of the time we go to practice and like Dion said, the point is just to get from the start of practice to the end of practice and not embarrass ourselves. Not, you know, not trouble. Yeah, not not lose our position and in coaches' eyes, rather than to be focusing on how do I make myself, he said at the end, he his purpose, he said, was to be the very best ever. Um whether your focus is to be the very best ever or to be the very best that you can be, you can't do that. If you're just showing up, you got to say, am I in an hour from now or two hours from now, a better basketball player than I was when I got here and then be able to look yourself in the mirror and honestly say yes or no. We need to do the same thing when we go to the gym to work out or when we go to work or when we, you know, we're home with our kids. Yeah. Um, was I a better dad or mom today than I was yesterday. And we're either going forward like a bike, right? We're either moving forward or falling off. So,
0: you know, this conversation has reminded me of something that Justin Sue, a mental performance coach of the Tampa Bay Rays, by the way, congratulations, Justin. Yeah. They They got a shot to win the whole thing. Yeah. They just won the NL East and, and, uh, and so congratulations on that. But one of the things that he shared, we talk often, the word we use is to be intentional. Yeah, You got to be more intentional. And he said something that stuck in my brain. He said, you got to live life on purpose with purpose. And a life by design and not by default. Just those. Yeah. I love that alliteration that he uses. And I think too often, one of the ways that we don't practice to be great, like Dion says here, is we just kind of show up, you know, we don't, we aren't trying to accomplish anything. And one of the ways that I think being a parent of athletes and, and you a parent of athletes, and obviously these things spill over into school and into every other aspect of life. But one of the things that I've been thinking about is, right after he said that, he said, you know, we have to embrace the boredom of consistency if we want to be great at something. And so too often, I think practices could be designed to be fun. And of course sports are supposed to be fun, but, but sometimes the things it takes to be great at something, it's not fun. The people who become great at things, no matter what it is in business and, In personal finance and in relationships, there's a lot of repetitive things that take effort that most people won't do. That's why great people do them, but ordinary people don't.
1: It's because it's the mundane. And, And because you don't see immediate improvement from doing that. I've done this a million times. I can do it I don't see the growth, but even though you're growing, we don't get that immediate feedback from, you know, shooting 50 free throws or 100 free throws or every single day after practice. We're probably, you know, making or missing about the same most of the time we do it until you get in a game and you just have to make one and the point is to be able to make the one in the game it's not mm-hmm. to make 90 out of 100 at practice you make 90 out of 100 and you're a 90% free throw shooter it doesn't matter if you miss the one you got to shoot in the game and so the consistency of regularly shooting those free throws to where you can just close your eyes and just and it's gonna, you know it's going to go in prepares you for the one time that you have to make it when it really matters in the game. But if you just going to the free throw line and resenting it at practice every day, there I got to go shoot more free throws. And you just, you're sloppy in it. Your mind's not focused in it. Then when the moment hits and the pressure's on, you haven't trained yourself to shoot when you have to make it and, and you miss. Yeah. And this humility factor that we've talked about before,
0: what do great people do? So a great free throw shooter, what do they do? What, what does a a person who is really good at accomplishing the thing you hope to accomplish? What, not just what they do. Oh, I practice, but what are the mundane things that they do? Uh, One of the things that I did because I loved baseball, but I didn't realize how much it was helping me (laughs) is I love baseball so much, but baseball is one of those things that's hard to practice on your own. Yeah. And I had a PVC pipe. Left over from when my dad did some sprinkler repair, and I cut it to to thirty two inches, thirty three inches, and I taped bat tape on it. And we had food storage. We had food storage. These little peas. Are you from Utah? <laughs> no, <laughs> this is <laughs> Southern California where they probably actually need it. But um, but food storage. And so so we had these dried peas, right? And I would take a pocket full of peas when I was eleven years old. And I would go out in my backyard and I would play like this imaginary game in my head. And I would throw up a little like a dried pea and I would hit it with a PVC pipe. I did it because it was the one way I could play baseball. I couldn't hit rocks. I couldn't hit or it would hurt things. I couldn't hit, but I would hit these dried peas. At the time, I just did it because I wanted a way to play baseball. But what I realized is hitting thousands and thousands and thousands of little dried peas in my backyard is probably why I rarely struck out in baseball. And so it's finding little things that we can do. And those who can persist beyond boring when with some people, when it's fun, when it's not fun, they're done. Right. But those who can find, okay, I, I am going to do this until it's, so consistently that it becomes almost boring. So if you're going to do that, the thing I was thinking about practicing to be great, you, you need kind of two things. You need a plan to be great. You need to know what great people do. And then you need to give maximum effort to that plan, even when other people aren't watching. A coach, you you coach, you could come out there and a kid could go out and they could go through the drills that you put them through as a football coach or a, a quarterback. They could go through it, but are they giving maximum attention, maximum effort to that drill? Are they winning the hour in that moment? And so for me, I just, as I, okay, Dion, I get it. We need to practice with purpose. What's our goal? What's our plan to get to that goal? What What have people done who have got where we want to get? and then maximum effort to those things and push beyond the boring.
1: And I think that that's the way we practice to be great. Well, and we understand, we hear this phrase all the time, what is your why? It's a you know commonly thrown around question. Why are you doing the drill? If if I'm doing the drill because coach said so, it's I'm running through the agility ladders. Well, you do that a million times. If that's the only reason you're doing it is to get through the agility ladders without tripping. <laughs> you're probably going to end practice thinking, Hey, you did it. You you made it. You can, you you can sit, or you successfully finished the drill, the purpose of the drill. We need to teach these kids the why to the drill. It's not to get through the agility ladders. There's a specific reason that moving your feet quick and being able to change directions quick and be able to develop fast twitch muscle fibers and and hand and eye coordination. And is going to help you in a game. So that hopefully the athlete understands that as boring as this drill may be that I do every time, I need to understand if if I'm a quarterback, for example, that the same drills that I may be doing as an eighth grader that I've been doing since I was a sixth grader, I tell these kids all the time when I work with quarterbacks, These are many of these are the exact same drill that Tom Brady's doing today. And Tom Brady's been doing it for 30, 40 years, right? Forever he's, he's, (laughs) since he was born and he's he's 80, how old he is. Now his 20-year-old kid's starting to do him yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> he's, he's playing with, against guys that I think were just being born yeah. when he made the NFL. Yeah. But he's still doing those regular things, to my point earlier, because you can do them thousands and thousands and thousands of times in a practice so that you can do, execute it once on fourth down in a Super Bowl. and Because that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter how many times you did it successfully going through the motions at practice. That's easy. The purpose, the why, the reason for the drill is not to do the drill. The reason to come to practice is not to check the box that we practice. Mm -hmm. You can check the box and be just as successful at practicing as your opponent and lose by 40. Because they practice with purpose. They practice to beat you. Mm -hmm. They practice with a specific goal in mind. and, And as parents, I think finding out what did you do today to get better when you went to practice and asking our kids that did you just practice or did you get better? It's the same thing at school. Are we going to get A's? Is that the purpose to get a 4.0 or is the purpose to learn? Yeah. Cause I know people who've gotten 4.0 before who didn't learn much. Yeah. Um, they
0: play the school game. Yeah. They aren't trying to increase in knowledge. They're, they're playing the school game and they know what they do. They, oh, this teacher, I hear this a lot of times from kids that age, this yeah. teacher has this big, 50 point extra credit. If you do that, you know, then that, that, that I'll get an A. What do we do?
1: What do we do? when our child comes home and says, I got an A in the class. Great. Good job, son. Yeah. Maybe that's good. And we should be, you know, we should obviously be happy about that, but what did you learn? Like, tell me what that, tell me what you learned about history this year. Teach me some of the different historical events that you studied and what they were and we might find out that our kid got an A in a class and knows nothing about history. Um, they figured out how to play practice, right? Or how to, the, the mm-hmm. school is practice for real life. You can get through school and graduate and not be ready for real life. You can get through practice and impress a coach and really not be prepared for the game if the focus isn't right. I know in our book, um, I don't know what chapter it's in our book, The Sportlight, but but I, I talked about when I was in high school my dad said that I had to get a 3.0 to play and you only needed a 2.0 to be eligible. But at at my house, you had to have a 3.0. And so for three years of high school, I got a 3.0 and I was that kid that would go in the last week of the semester with a 2.8 or 2.9. And I knew which teacher I could go to, to get that B minus to a B or the C to a C plus that would just get me over the edge there so I could come home and say, okay, I got a 3.0. But I was capable of doing better. And it wasn't until college that when I was a little bit more mature and the switch had gone off in my head that, all right, what's my why? It's not just to be eligible. It's I need to learn and know things. And when I was in college, I only had to get a 2.0 to be eligible to play. And My dad wasn't there anymore and he wasn't checking on me and he wasn't going to pull my scholarship. He, he right. liked the fact that you know some of it was being paid for. So what did I get in college? I had to get a 2.0. I barely got a 2.0. I got a 2.3 my first semester, just enough. I was to go through the motion guys in school until you know my second or third year of college when I had grown up a little bit and realized, what are you doing? And then figured out the work and the time and the effort it took, but it, it took sitting in the front of class It took meeting with teachers the first week of school instead of the last week and asking what I could do to get my grade up, make sure they knew I was serious. Do you know what would happen? I'm telling you from a coaching perspective. If a kid came to me on a early in the summer, super interested in what he needed to do to be a good football player in the spring and did those things versus the kid who shows up the week of the first game and is super motivated to now want to be a really good football player, which kid I'm more interested in and and trust more. Yeah. Right. The kid who really did the work early on, he had a purpose. He knew what it was and he was going to go for it versus the kid that waited to the last minute and was going through the motions and then realized, oh crap, I better let coach know I'm serious too late. Yep. And, and I have talked about before, you know, that
0: it's always like that the day after the loss in the state championship yeah. or the day after the drill competition or the day after the whatever, everyone's motivated then. Yeah. Yeah. Then motivation wanes, right? Yep. Oh, next year, next year, I'm going to start working right now. And then you see this like downward plane where kids become less and less interested until all of a sudden the Friday night lights turn on. They aren't on the field. And now they're like, coach, I want to be on the field. Yeah, talk to me in June. Yeah. Right. I wonder if
1: that, <laughs> tell me if you disagree with this, Shaq, because we've talked about this, maybe this is a, deep, a, a deeper topic for another episode, but You've heard me talk about my opinion on the difference between inspiration and motivation. What you just said reminded me of that. The inspiration comes from, we just lost. We wish we'd won that championship game. We are inspired now to go and to work harder, right? Mm -hmm. Until three days later comes and 6am alarm goes off. And then it becomes, are you a self-motivated person or not? Because the inspiration wears off. It's just like we listen to a a a pump up song at the gym and we're inspired to go lift, but then that song ends, right? Are we, are we motivated to be healthy or do we need constant inspirational pick-me-ups all the time? A cheerleader constantly cheering us on to go try hard. Well, the people who are self-motivated, they go to practice with a purpose. They don't need a coach to say run hard or else, Right. right. Do this play right. Or you're going to be doing up downs on the whistle. And so they're they're scared to not go hard because they're going to be punished. So they need to be constantly inspired and given these little bits of inspiration to get through a practice and go hard. And coaches hate having to be a cheerleader and doing that. What you want is the kid who doesn't need to be inspired because he's self-motivated. The mm-hmm. person who's self-motivated because they know their why, they know their goal, and they're focused on that. They don't need to lose a state championship and have everybody in the locker room say, we're getting together Monday to get back after it. They already were focused. They are, they're, they're They they're want to be, be there on Monday. They have their why. They know what they want to be, and 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 their focus is, I've got to become my best. The greatest story of all the stories we heard about Kobe Bryant when he passed away. And we write about Kobe Bryant, ironically, in our book as well. The one that impressed me the most, I don't think we've talked about this on an episode or uh, in the in the books, was one that Dwayne Wade told about him after the Lakers played the Heat in a game and and Kobe Bryant missed a game-winning shot that he was fouled on. And, but they didn't call it. And Kobe Bryant was upset that he didn't get the call. He got hit on his forearm right as he shot and he missed a 15-footer. Instead of griping about it and using that as an excuse, and because he had practiced that shot a million times, Dwayne Wayne said that he Dwayne Wade said he walked out of the locker room and he he had been told that Kobe Bryant was still in the gym shooting. And he went and peeked around the tunnel and saw Kobe Bryant in on the floor shooting. And he was shooting the same 15-foot shot and different versions of it around the around the court. But this time he had one of the trainers. With a padded mitt on his hand, a, a, like an MMA mitt glove, hitting him in the arm, and the forearm, every time he shot the 15-footer, fouling him. And Kobe Bryant's mindset was, I just need to make the shot next time. They may not, not call the foul Not court. let the ref bail me out. They may not call it again. The excuse isn't, well, I got fouled. I would have made it if the ref did his job. Kobe Bryant's mindset was, the ref's not going to always do his job. I need to make the shot. So I shame on me for not practicing how to make a shot when That's I'm awesome. getting hit. That's the difference in practicing yeah. to be the greatest versus just going and shooting 15 footers all day and coming home and saying, mom, I shot hundred shots. I'm going to be the next Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant shot game shots. Yeah. Not just didn't get it shots. People up. would
0: say he would be lathered and sweat. Cause he would be running around as he shot and it wasn't like he wanted it to be game speed when he shot. Yeah. That's purpose. Yeah. That's how Deion Sanders practiced, right? That's why he became the best ever. Awesome. I, one other little tip for parents is sometimes, especially with young kids, if you want them to exert maximum effort and, and really embrace the boredom of the consistency that is required in order to be really good at something, make it a game. Yeah. You know, it, one of the things I'm, it, I've talked about on here and with you a lot is I have a daughter right now who's really trying to get good at tennis. She's putting in a lot of work and I wasn't seeing a lot of progression in her. She's trying to serve. I mean, she's, you know, for younger kids, sometimes that's the hardest part of tennis and she's trying to get in her serves. And, and so I said, okay, let's do this. We're going to serve 20. We're going to serve in 50 ball sets, 25 from one side, 25 from the other. And I'm going to keep on my phone your record. What's the most you've ever got in? First time, like, it seemed like she wasn't progressing forever. And then all of a sudden, now it's not just hitting 25 balls. Now everyone means something, yeah. right? And I see her thinking about it and the progression when we made it a game and she's trying to set her record of the most serves she's ever got in, she's gone from 19 to 34 in a matter of weeks because playing a game with it increased her level of concentration. Now she wasn't just getting through 50 balls, you know, and I'm not some tyrant out there. She loves to practice, right? But she loved to practice before she loved hitting the ball. But what brought on all this progression all of a sudden is It seems that now that she's really, every ball has a purpose, she's progressing. And so I think sometimes you do have to do some mundane things, but is there a way to make it more, is is there a way to make it fun and, and consistent and, and sometimes just adding that little competition with yourself element allows, even if it's dribbling with your left hand, all right, I want you to see how quickly you could get down the court And back. And if I see the ball go above your your hip, it doesn't count, you know, and keep keep little records and stats and congratulate them, give them a high five, make it fun. But I found that for me too, if I want to motivate myself even with other things, I make it a game. Yeah. Make it a game with myself, see how much I could do and, and how much I could do better the next time. And so I just think there's little things, even fun things that we can add to help people practice with purpose and practice to be great not just to, if you're going to spend time doing something,
1: why not spend it in a way that makes you great. And practice should be fun. Ironically, I just heard a a coach Beck is his name. uh, I saw it on Twitter today. Um, He had a quote where he said that for some of these athletes, practice is their best time of the day. Make sure you make it fun for them, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, they're going, we have kids going home to a lot harder things than practice at their home lives and things and where life's really tough on them. So if you are a coach, You know, remember that for some of these kids, that's the best two hours of the day. So make sure that we're making it fun. And and all of us probably can admit that when we're having fun and relaxed and, um, you know, we we play better than when we're ultra focused. I'll end on this. I tell athletes all the time the difference between being focused and tight. And there is a difference. And there's also a difference between being loose and relaxed and being silly and goofy. Mm -hmm. What you want to be is a loose focus, right? You can over-focus. We can make our – we tell our kid two hours before the game, get focused. The game's not for two hours. What's he getting focused for now? Like he's just wasting energy and mind power and, right, like doesn't need to be focused yet. Like,
0: like some coaches may even take the approach of not letting you
1: watch the other team's batting practice. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> so, yes. you know, I've heard that. <laughs> True, we've heard of that. It, but you know what I'm saying it, it's it's this idea of you know it, it three, you're on the bus and you got a two hour bus drive, Hey, you know, we don't need to be psyching ourselves out on the music yet. Let's relax and and there's gonna come a time to get our mind in in game mode, but yeah. you know, be relaxed, be loose, but there's also silly. Sometimes you get loose and you start goofing around at practice, and it becomes a silly practice, and then that's counterproductive. So the middle ground is, A loose focus. It's okay to joke. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to have fun in a focused manner. You know, I think as parents, we'd be smart to know our kids too. We, if if our kids react negatively to being told how to be and what to do and, 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 you know, minutes before the game, let's be smart enough to recognize that sometimes the best thing to do before your kid runs out on the field is tell them a joke, make them laugh, like just relax them rather than tell them how focused they got to be. Be careful with that.
0: Now, that's really great stuff. And it reminded me, maybe my last thought on this is something that Dr. Martin shared with us when he was on about building unity. One of the things that you could do on a team to build unity is to these little competition things to make it kind of a team thing. So in the summer, for example, and, and you're having your football players lift weights or or your drill team members do turns or whatever it might be. If you make it a team game, it could build unity. So for example, okay, this is where we are. Everyone maxed out. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Any day that you put on a collective 400 pounds to the team max, we'll, we'll do a barbecue for you. Yeah. Now what that does is that kid who who gains five pounds, you're like, you can celebrate it, make it fun you know, so it's so, so up five pounds, you know, like, yeah. and and now all of a sudden, the team is coming together trying to help each other to achieve this team goal. And so you can have team competitions, you can have individual little games. And we all know that consistent mundane effort is what's going to produce greatness, mm-hmm. right? Full effort to those things. But if we can deal with this mundane part with, with games and and fun and, and lo- just loose focused fun. Then sometimes those teams become more successful because they actually can stick with
1: those mundane tasks more. Cause they know why they're doing it. Cause they don't know, know their purpose. Yeah. They're, 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 they're doing those mundane things because they know in the end it's going to lead to a more successful outcome. Awesome. They're not just going through the motions. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, Hey, thanks man. Yeah. That's it. That's great stuff. It gave me some great ideas. We need to practice to be great, not just to get through practice. And I, that applies to every aspect of life. So so thanks so much. Thanks for joining us for the Sportlight Podcast. Please share this with people that you think would be interested and listen to it with your kids, put it on in the car. We would love to get your feedback. If there's ever any people or, or subjects that you would like us to interview or you think, man, this is a great story. They should talk to this person. Send us a message, let us know, or if you would like us to address a subject that would be helpful for you and get an expert on to talk about it, or if we have expertise in that area, just let us know. Thank you so much. Eyes up, do the work. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at EspeciallyForAthletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforalphys.org slash book.